1: best-selling and award-winning author of Kick-Ass International Thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time.
0: And Taylor, we were chatting before we came on the air today, and you mentioned that you're writing again, so tell <laughs> us about that.
1: We have to put a very, 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 very heavy finger closer <laughs> Okay, uh, Okay, so if you've you've listened to this show for a while, you know that, like, my brain broke I haven't been able to write for a long time. And then when I try to get back into writing, just wouldn't work. And then I'd go do a different project so that I'd stay busy. And then I'd try and come back. And so anyway, uh, starting at the beginning of this year, uh, you know, with The Liar's Legacy was finished, I tried to get back into writing the sixth Monroe book. And it just, it wasn't working. Wasn't working, wasn't working. So I set it aside until like March, you know, right when all the drama in the world. And I started, I I realized that for me to be able to move forward on this book, I'd been away from it for so long, I needed to start again at the beginning, even though that's not typically the advice I would give for finishing a book. Um, So I started back at the beginning, and it took me like two weeks to basically get chapter one done. And chapter one was like already pretty good. (laughs) It was already solid, a solid chapter, two weeks, right? And so then I was like, okay, and in the middle of all the other chaos going on, I moved on to chapter two and that took me like a month and chapter two was already pretty solid. So, you know, (laughs) we're like at this point, a month and a half, two months into it, and I've gotten two chapters. And then I start on chapter three and I just run face first into a wall like just done. And so I, I would work on it and work on it and nothing, just nothing. I'm just repeating the same paragraphs over and over and over and over again. And I'm getting nowhere and I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting depressed. So after a while, I just, I just set it aside. I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to go work on something else. Give myself time, mental clear. And, you know, finally by, uh, what was it? Like the beginning, the, the middle of August, I was like, okay, I'm going to try this again. Really try it. And I went back to Chapter 3, and I got it done. Like, I, I finished it. And I was like, ah, okay. You know, maybe maybe ye old brain is working again. But then that meant having to face Chapter 4. And Chapter 4 <laughs> is where I knew I was going to run into trouble, because I already knew. Like, the first three chapters were okay, and Chapter 4 is like when it, the story begins to shift. And uh, oh, I was terrified of it, really. Like really scared. Kind of like I got bucked off this horse and I'm afraid to ride uh, because it feels so, so shitty to be there beating your head against this and making no progress and wasting your time and feeling like, what's wrong with me? You know, like all this time and energy and I have nothing to show for it. I even stopped journaling because all my journals are just how much I suck. (laughs) So I just it it feels bad. So I just stop, you know. (laughs) So anyway, um, you know, I'm starting to work on chapter four and and I just dread opening the computer and and then slowly just keep at it. The pieces start to come together and I'm like, okay, I, I'm starting to see how at least this part of the chapter fits. And I'm looking forward at, you know, the next chapter and I'm going, I'm starting to, to Like, you know how my brain works in concepts and pictures and whatever. And and I can already start to see, all right, this needs to to be removed. That's extraneous. These need to be combined, whatever. And and seeing what's supposed to happen is not the same thing as actually doing it and and stitching it all together and having it read well. But it's like I'm starting to engage with it again. And it only took me four or five days to get the opening part (laughs) of the chapter done instead of, you know... A month to get that far. So I'm like, okay, there's hope. There's hope that maybe my brain is starting to work again. Maybe it's just out of practice, you know, what have you. But so that's why I say I put writing in very heavy quotes. I'm putting in the hours, but I'm not necessarily getting the words. But at least I'm getting a few more words for the time than what I would have had before. But in the meantime, I finished reading The Doll, which is the third in the Vanessa Michael Monroe series. And I did a book club post about that. And that's up. And that was actually fun. So, you know, doing stuff, but it's not, oh, God, I want this book finished. I, I don't want to write it. I just want it finished. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. And who has ever had that thought before?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, do as I say, not as I do.
0: All right. So that wraps up the chit-chat portion of the show, once again, without a farm story. So I, I just I have, I feel like I have to keep apologizing if we don't have farm stories. But we like, once again,
1: one, I'll have one for next week. I, I will come up with one.
0: Okay, sure. good, good. So today, um, we are going to be talking about vagueness in writing. And I was hoping there was going to be some really clever way that I could just kind of ease into this. But you were so precise with your storytelling <laughs> that I was not able to Use any, I was not able to use the word vagueness as a way of rolling into the topic. Oh,
1: but you, you got the flip side. You got precise in there. So, you know, good on you. Okay, so vagueness. This is an issue that has come up in passing a few times over the years, but we've never actually done a deep dive into what vagueness actually is or what it looks like when it shows up on the page. So I figured, why not now? Let's do that now. And, um, you know, you hear people in writing advice or whatever, you hear things like, you know, use strong verbs, use clear language and, you know, things about that, which is supposed to help make your writing strong. And that's all well and good. It's absolutely terrific advice. Very, very necessary. But it's not what I'm talking about in this discussion about vagueness, like I would not consider a weak verb to be the equivalent of vagueness. So, when I talk about vagueness, I want to look at it from a different—I guess you could say—a squishy angle. <laughs> and by, when I say squishy, what I mean is like it's kind of hard <laughs> to define uh, because it's. Are you being
0: vague? To, <laughs> are you being intentionally vague?
1: <laughs> I'm being unintentionally vague. I'm trying to clarify what is by its very nature, a vague concept, right? I, I, it's hard to find because it's going to look a little different on the page, depending on the genre you're writing in, the, the expectations for the story, the book's tone, and the author, how the author, what, what's it, what the expectations are for the author, right? So I, my focus on this is vagueness, as it pertains to concepts, and a a lack of clarity in idea or how those ideas are expressed through dialogue, how the lack of clarity in understanding and how it shows up in ways that we get full grammatical sentences using real words, and all the words are in the right order, but they don't actually say anything or they don't say what the author thinks they're saying. And these are sentences that ostensibly exist to provide key bits of detail or information. Like there's a, they're supposedly there for a reason, but they actually provide nothing. And as when I think about these types of vagueness, like these instances, an interesting possibility comes to mind. And that's that I suspect that vagueness is going to have a very different impact on literal and detail-oriented readers than it would on big picture sort of go with the flow readers. And I'm suspecting, I don't have any proof for this, that people who are more big picture or go with the flow in nature might not even notice these vague blips at all and where this matters is in the flip side if you're a writer right so um, if you are not a very detail-oriented person in the way you read or, or interact with the world you probably won't see this type of vagueness in other people's writing but you also won't see it in your own you're going to miss it um, and and on the, on the opposite side of that if you are a very literal and detailed Sort of reader, you're going to be literal and detailed in your writing, but you're also going to have the potential to go way overboard in how much of that clarity or detail you're providing. Um, So it's just something to keep in mind uh, from a writing perspective is who are you as a, if you're detail oriented, approach this from one direction. If you are not detail oriented, then approach it from the other. And so if you're not detail oriented this may be more helpful to you because the detail oriented people are already seeing it so anyway i'm very del- literal and detail oriented so when i see vagueness it, it jumps out at me like it, it my brain like it's constantly seeking to sort out and organize information so when it crosses something that can't be sorted or organized just due to lack of clarity on what this thing is like my brain gets frustrated it gets angry And so much so that when I was trying to put together the notes for this show, (laughs) I was feeling my brain have like a meltdown. It was mad that it even had to have examples in the first place. And it was all frustrated with having to break down the why, because as far as my brain is concerned, this concept is so glaringly obvious. It shouldn't even need words of explanation in the first place. So that's the extreme to which my brain goes. And it's helpful for me uh, from an editorial perspective. Like I, I personally feel that I'm a much better book editor slash um, even editing my own work uh, than I am a creative or a writer. My strength is not as a writer. My strength is from the editing side of it. Like if the torture is getting the words on the page. Once I have those, my my analytical brain can take over and it can take that crap and turn it into something readable because that's where my strengths lie. So I'm going to see vagueness in a way that maybe even somebody who's would be considered detail oriented might not even notice. So anyway, at its most basic, basic, vagueness is what happens when the words on the page don't say what the author thinks they're saying. And it can happen anywhere. Like it can happen in narrative, it can happen in, you know, description or whatever, but my sense of it is that we see the worst of it when vagueness is substituting for explanation and information. So I want to focus on it, what it looks like when it shows up in dialogue and in a narrative, because in my opinion, those are the two areas of book where explanation and information um, tend to come out the most, like when a character is trying to explain to another character or Um, explain to the reader, what have you. That's where uh, we tend to get explanation and information handed to us. And that's where if that information is vague is going to be the most glaring, right? So I've, I've outlined a few scenarios of when we're likely to see vagueness and what that might look like. So here's the first one. When characters are providing advice to or explaining things to each other so as an example sam is trying to understand how two pieces of a mystery fit together and one piece involves something beyond his expertise let's say it has to do with technology right so sam goes to joe for advice on how this piece of information that he has might fit into the tech landscape and joe basically tells him, well, go look into X, Y, Z information. X, Y, Z information is my, you know, in brackets, go look into something, X, Y, Z information. Okay. So on the surface, this advice is going to sound good. It might even use industry jargon. It's going to sound like Joe knows what he's talking about. But when you step back and you examine what this X, Y, Z information is, as in a practical sense, you realize that it's so vague and generalized is not even a thing. So like if Sam stood up right then and walked out the door and tried to follow Joe's advice, looking for this X, Y, Z information, exactly as Joe spelled it out, the details would be so vague that there's no practical way for Sam to do it. Therefore, the advice he's just been given is meaningless. That vagueness This just this vague sort of nebulous advice like mumbo jumbo, even though it's grammatical and it technically sort of makes sense on practical level, it makes no sense. So it would be like if Joe answering Sam's specific tech question said, oh, I suggest you look into hacking. Well, what on earth does that even mean? Is Joe suggesting Sam learns how to hack? Is he suggesting Sam tracks down hackers to explain his question more in more detail? Is Joe suggesting hackers were responsible for the issue Sam's investigating? Like, what does that mean? So, if a character is offering specific advice and it's not clear what that advice actually means, that's vagueness. And you're going to find that that kind of vagueness is like it's filler. It's ideas that are rushed through because the author just needed something there to lead into what they're really trying to get at. So they, they know that the scene needs a purpose and they're trying to give it that purpose and make it make sense leading up to what they're really getting at, what the plot is making them do but they're not really thinking it through. And, but the reader doesn't know that. The reader thinks that this is legit. And so, especially if they're a detail-oriented reader, they're gonna read that and go, what the, what is this? What is this mess? Well, what is that supposed to mean, right? And it, it's really, really maddeningly frustrated, frustrating to run up against that. And it makes it look like either the author doesn't know what they're doing or the author's characters don't know what they're doing. And um, those are not the same things because maybe it means I'm not supposed to trust this character. Like It really messes with the vibe of the story. So another way that vagueness might show up is hand-wavy explanations that skip over why or how something happened. So these explanations, again, they're coming from usually character to character or inner narrative explaining to the reader. They're... They're intended, they're actually truly intended to be real explanations. They're not, it's not a a plot twisty thing or anything like that, but they don't actually explain anything. So this is going to show up in the form of a character like answering a question without actually answering what's being asked. And and again, it's it's, it's kind of throwaway lines, like they're having a conversation and the, the the you know, Sam wants to know about this. And Joe gives him this off the wall answer that has nothing to do with anything. It sounds good and it sounds like he's giving an answer, but he's actually not. There's no real answer in the answer. And so there's exceptions to this one. And that's when you're trying to establish a character as a liar or as evasive or trying to hide something. But even then, there's going to be clarity in the fact that, and it's going to be obvious what's happening. So that's not the same thing as something intangible trying to pass itself off as substance. And that's really what you get when you have these hand-wavy explanations that are just kind of skipping over the details, or they're answering a question with blah, 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 but there's no substance to that blah, blah, nothing you can actually latch onto and say, oh, yeah, I understand what that means, or oh, yeah, that makes sense. The next one you're going to get is characters who hint at knowing something or even outright say that they know something, but then they withhold or fail to share that piece of knowledge that they have. And this, again, is different than a character deliberately holding information or deliberately being evasive um, as part of the plot or the story. So, like, if, for example... Sam goes to Joe for advice on his plan, and Joe says something like, well, X plan would only work if Y. But then he completely stops there, and there's no follow through on why Y is necessary or what Y has to do with anything. It's just out there as this statement, this nebulous, well, that'll only work if whatever. So a little side note to that. If you're gonna throw out a qualification on which X depends on Y, you have to follow that through with an explanation on why it matters. Because if you don't, not only is it like hand-wavy and vague and withholding information from your readers so that they can understand what's happening, you're also depriving your readers of the enjoyment of watching the way your character thinks and understanding how your character figures things out. So you're basically substituting a rich, rewarding reader character moment for this throwaway shadow blah, blah, and let's move on. So another example of this sort of X depends on Y stuff, um, I'm going to borrow from something and kind of change it up a little bit so that I can actually use exist dialogue that really exists, okay? So in this example, we've got Sam, who's not really much of a financial expert. He's taking some documents to Joe for help in understanding some murky accounting. And so after a while, Joe calls Sam up and they look them over. And Joe basically says, "Okay, these financials are a mess. Someone's been stealing money from the business. And as part of that conversation, Joe says these things. And I want you to listen as I read these few lines of dialogue and see if you can find the vagueness, right? So Joe explained to Sam about, you know, someone's been stealing from the business. He says, well, it started with cash sales not being reported, inflating, inflated expenses, stuff like that. Then Tony did something stupid and trackable with a $47,000 check. The next year, things got way more sophisticated. Sam says, well, in what way? And Joe says, well, in the way that most people wouldn't notice, a forensic account might see it, maybe. But I've seen too much of this crap through the years, especially in businesses that aren't making it. And that's a little section of dialogue. So, I I, I don't know, should I read it again, just so you can really hear it and see if you can find the vagueness? I'm going to do it one more time, okay? It started with cash sales not being reported, inflated expenses, stuff like that. Then Tony did something stupid and trackable with a $47,000 check. The next year, things got way more sophisticated. In what way? In the way that most people wouldn't notice. A forensic accountant might see it, maybe. But I've seen too much of this crap through the years, especially in businesses that aren't making it. So here's the key code to that. The first part of this that's vague is when... Joe says, Tony did something stupid and trackable with a $47,000 check. What did Tony do? This something is the vague, right? Something stupid. What was stupid that he did? What was the trackable part of it? Like, you've seen it, you know what it is, why aren't you telling us? The next thing he says is, in the way that most people wouldn't notice. A forensic accountant might see it, maybe, but I've seen too much of this crap through the years. So what Joe's doing here basically is saying to both Sam and to the reader, I know stuff. I know stuff you don't know. And I'm going to hint at it, but I'm not going to tell you, not even when you've asked me directly, I'm going to avoid your legitimate question. And instead, I'm going to puff out my chest. I'm going to tell you how awesome I am for being able to see this stuff, but I'm still not going to tell you what I'm actually seeing. And that is so frustrating from a reader perspective because you're being vague you're not telling me what this is how am i supposed to know what to do with this vague information you know this is a mystery Honestly, i want to figure it out too and you're not giving me what i what i need to figure this out so from a plot perspective this is like a really big dodge because it's forcing sam to rely on trusting joe's word alone without any evidence and as a reader that's going to make me test joe because up until this part of the story The only thing I really knew about Joe was that he's Sam's super rich friend and he works in finance and he's kind of iffy on the morality scale. And he's not iffy because he works in finance. He's not iffy because he works because he's wealthy. He's iffy because of some other things that have happened. But now he's being super vague and he's not going to give Sam this detail. He's just kind of, yeah, well, I saw stuff and maybe a forensic counter will see it. huh. good luck to you. I mean, he's not actually saying those words, but that's the, the tone of it, right? And so now I'm like, well, Joe isn't very trustworthy. And maybe he's just as much a thief as the person Sam's trying to catch. He's just a higher level of thievery. I don't trust him, right? And that's the kind of damage that that vagueness can do. So the next example I have is what I would call incomplete follow-through. So using Joe and Sam again, or Sam, whatever, making up names here. Let's say Sam has this conversation with joe about the history of a rare book and now having had that conversation with joe sam is talking to his own boss and sam's boss is asking him questions and sam is answering those questions and then sam's inner dialogue goes something like well i didn't bother sharing my gut feeling that joe knew something about the book and the problem is sam and joe just had a whole conversation about that book So there's no gut feeling going on here. We know 100%, Joe 100% most definitely knew something about the book, right? But what gut feeling is implying here is that Joe knew more about the book than that he let on. But the words on the page don't actually say that. What the words on the page tell us very literally is that Sam didn't bother to share his gut feeling that Joe knew something about the book full stop, right? So this is a sentence which basically tells us nothing. It's all we're ever given at this juncture to tell us that Sam is having doubts about Joe. And it's displacing substance and clarity at a time in the story when we really need to understand what's going on. And it's a case of where the words on the page are not actually saying what the author thought they were saying because the implication is I didn't bother sharing my gut feeling that Joe knew more about the book than he was letting on, but that's not what it says. So that's vagueness by incomplete follow through. Like the, the what's in the other's head isn't making it all the way there, but to the reader, it makes no difference. doesn't make, it doesn't matter why they just, there's just not being given all the information, right? So the the biggest issue with vagueness is that by its very nature, whatever is vague is unimportant. So anytime vagueness exists in your story, undeliberately, like it's not a character trait or you're not trying to show a character being uh untrustworthy or an unreliable narrator or shifty or any, it's just, it just shows up outside of those deliberate elements. It's taking up space from what does matter. And it's replacing what matters with something that doesn't. And this is going to rob your story of breadth and depth. It's going to remove richness and texture and replace it with just general, generic something. And it's also going to deprive your reader of specifics that they actually need to have in order to understand what's actually happening and what characters are really saying. And when you deprive your readers of substance like that, what it does is it forces them to guess at your intent. And when you force them to guess... The result is they will project their own assumptions into their into the story. And if those assumptions are wrong, that's going to confuse an already confusing plot, or it's going to mean that when the assumptions are finally clarified later down, assuming that they're clarified, the reader will now be confused because what they understood to be true is not true but they might not necessarily remember where they were in the story when their own assumptions began to replace the story itself but you did that to them that's not their fault they're they're just trying to follow you so another thing they might feel is that the characters are are deliberately holding out on them and that's frustrating and it can turn a reliable narrator into an unreliable one or it can give the reader a sense that somewhere along the way, they've just missed something. And that's also frustrating, and that will pull them out of the story. So most of the time, these vagueness issues are not intentional. And they are flow issues in which some of what's in the author's head is just not making it to the page. The the flow of thought is completely interrupted. So to the author, because it's, in the author's head already, they know what's happening, they read it, and it seems like the information is there, even if it's not. So the only solution to something like that is to, as the author, to go back and read it slowly, to read it carefully, and really ask yourself, is the sentence saying what it's actually meant to say? And, and that can be a challenge. If, you know, it's like, how it's possible to just not see your own typos because in your brain, you already know what the sentence says, so your eyes just skip right over them and it, it, it creates that same kind of um, disconnect. Sometimes, though, the vagueness is deliberate. Not deliberate as a deliberate part of the plot, but a deliberate omission on the part of the author because the author doesn't actually know those details. They don't know what that advice really should be. Um, And because the author knows that the plot's going to move forward the same, regardless of whatever those details are, they just put something in there that sounds good enough and they just move on. The reader doesn't know that, right? And what this says, if you find yourself doing that, where you're just like, oh, I'll just build out this part of the conversation to try and guide it so that the scene feels like it's not contrived or whatever the reasoning behind it, you haven't done your research as an author to familiarize yourself with the subject matter. Um, So even if you, in your heart of hearts, know that that advice is throwaway advice or it's just there to, um, to make your Joe character look like he knows what he's talking about, you cannot cheat. You still have to know what you're talking about, and you have to make sure that it makes sense and that it works. You can't just do some hand-wavy vagueness because it's a throwaway line anyway. doesn't work like that. There are going to be a million things for people to criticize your work over. Don't let your own lack of due diligence be one of those reasons. You do your research, understand how that subject works, understand it well enough to provide the tiny details that give it that sense of authenticity. And I promise you, you will be surprised at what a difference removing the vagueness and replacing it with small bits of substance will make in leveling up your story depth, And your story breadth. And these are small things. These are not, you know, massive overhauls. These this is vagueness that shows up in sentences, in little snippets and phrases of dialogue. That doing it right is not hard. But the reward you get for doing it right versus how it's going to ding the quality of your storytelling is huge. So that's an idea of what. Vagueness is. And now I just want to take a small little minute to talk about what vagueness isn't. So, vagueness is not, doesn't have anything to do with the every little exact detail, spelling out every little thing. It is not vague to skip lots of mundane body movements to get to the heart of the scene. It is not vague. To avoid a specific number of things in favor of generalities, and that's a, an important one right there because I'm really hoping to discuss that in more specifics in a coming episode where I want to talk about how there are sometimes it's to your that it's really to your benefit to skip specific details and to make generalities your friend and your default, you know, where you only give the specifics under certain circumstances for example with discrete numbers and like how many steps a person took to get from the couch to the door or what specific time something happened unless those um unless those details are going to come into play later on in the story and it, it might seem like a contradiction That I talk about the importance of clarity, the importance of eliminating vagueness, of filling in specific details, only to turn around and say, wait, don't be too specific. But it's not. And here's why. There's nothing vague about saying a character crossed the room. But adding the number of steps that it took to cross the room when those number of steps don't actually matter to the story, that's extra. And there's nothing vague about saying a character arrived at their destination at sunset. But adding the exact same, the exact time of sunset, well, if it doesn't matter, that's extra. So the difference in what matters and what doesn't is the difference between vagueness and not vague. If you omit something that matters, you hint at its existence, and you don't let the reader have it, that's vague because it matters and you're withholding it. But adding details that don't matter, that's extra. So if you do one, like omit stuff and be vague, or the other, which is add stuff that doesn't matter, you're going to create a bumpy reading experience. But if you do both of them, which is omitting things and being vague and also adding things that don't matter, you've basically turned storytelling upside down. And that is going to be so frustrating for your reader is going to be such an uneven reading experience. So understanding vagueness means understanding both sides of it, the not enough what matters or the too much what matters. And that is my diatribe on vagueness.
0: And we hope that we have given you enough information <laughs> <laughs> that you got what mattered, but not so much. That you got too much and it confused everything in your mind. And I'm, I'm kind of spiraling out of control here. But anyway, <laughs> <Okay> that <though. laughs> that is our episode on vagueness. Thank you guys very much for listening. We will be back in your ear next Tuesday.
1: With a farm story. Yay!
0: <laughs>